0: you're listening to sex in iceland with sickadook the sexologist here you'll be following me on my trips to iceland talking about sex delivering sex ed stand up about sex and just whatever comes up really so if you're interested in sex or even if you're just interested in iceland this might be something Welcome to the show. So I wanted to try something, and maybe this is very strange, uh, it's not something you do, but anyway, I'm going to try it. So I've been reading, I, and often I'm reading all these very interesting articles online, and I save them for, re- you know, I maybe see them posted on Facebook, and I'll, I'll press save, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to read it later. But then I never get around to reading it, or I have a little time to read it, and I'm always like, oh, I'm missing out. So when I finally read an article, and it might be a long article, I'm like, oh, my god this is amazing and then you might share it on social media but people have the same problems as I do they're like okay when am I gonna have the time to read it so what I figured is when I come come across an amazing article as I just have I figured I'll just read it here so you guys can listen to it on the subway I mean maybe you're not great readers maybe you're driving like me or I'm not driving at the moment I'm in a cafe but maybe you're driving and you're not able to read. You know, whatever your situation, it's often just nice to be read to. So this is um, this is a particularly interesting subject, I think, and. This is an opinion piece. It's on RT.com. So that's Rachel Tennis, or, you know, just the initials, Um, RT.com. The article is called Sex in the Modern World. Can even a yes, yes, yes actually mean no? And the writer is, I'm sorry, I'm going to totally butcher his name, Slavoj Zizek, a cultural philosopher. He is a senior researcher at the Institute for Sociology and Philosophy at the University of Ljubljana, global distinguished professor of German at New York University, and international director of the Birkbeck Institute for the Humanities of University of London. That's, so that's this guy has got some serious credentials to his name. So let's take a look at this. I'm going to read the article now. When commentators analyze the new wave of women's struggles, one of their conclusion is that no means no, is not enough to lead a happy sex life. This is because it still leaves space for a most subtle form of coercion. Recently in The Guardian, we saw an exemplary case of this line of argument. Badgering someone into queasy submission might technically be within the law, but it's not the road to a happy sex life and it may no longer protect man from public censure, wrote journalist Gabby Hinsliff. She was covering the views of Erin Tillman, an American dating coach who believes that potentially ambiguous absence of no, but the enthusiastic presence of a yes, 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 or affirmative consent consent, is what is required nowadays. In 2018, no means no is totally antiquated. It puts all the pressure on the person in the most vulnerable position that if somebody doesn't have the capacity or the confidence to speak up, then they are going to be violated. Tillman has said, if somebody isn't an enthusiastic yes, if they're hesitating, if they're like, oh, I don't know, at this point in time, that equals no. Modern Phrases One cannot but agree with all the critical points in this passage, how a weak yes under pressure equals no, etc. What is problematic is the demand for the enthusiastic presence of a yes, yes, yes. Because it's easy to imagine what a humiliating position this condition can put a woman into who, to put it bluntly, and why not, passionately wants to get laid by a man. Basically, she has to perform an equivalent of publicly stating, please, fuck me. Are there not much more subtle, but nonetheless and unambiguous, clear ways to do this? Furthermore, if one looks for the road to a happy sex life, one searches searches for it in vain for the simple reason that there is no such thing. Circumstances always, for inherent reasons, go wrong in some ways in sex, and the only chance of a relatively happy sex life is to find a way to make these failures work against themselves. Directly searching for the road to a happy sex life is the safest way to ruin things, and the imagined scene of both partners enthusiastically shouting yes, 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 is, in real life, as close as one can get to hell. Things get even more complex with the right to withdraw from sexual interaction at any moment. It's rarely mentioned how this right opens up new modes of violence. What if the woman, after seeing her partner naked with an erect penis, begins to mock him and tells him to leave? What if the man does the same to her? Can you imagine a more humiliating situation? Clearly, One can find an appropriate way to resolve such impasses only through manners and sensitivities which by definition cannot be legislated for. If a person wants to prevent violence and brutality by adding new clause to the contract, they lose a central feature of sexual interplay, which is precisely a delicate balance between what is said and what is not said. Sexual interplay is full of such expectation, where a silent understanding and tact offer the only way to proceed when folk want things done but not explicitly spoken about, when extremely emotional brutality can be enacted in the guise of politeness, and when moderate violence itself can get sexualized. Oval Office Orgasms. If we go to the end of this path, we have to conclude that even an enthusiastic yes-yes-yes can effectively function as a mask of violence and domination. Monica Lewinsky recently said she stands by her 2014 comments that her relationship with Bill Clinton was consensual, but muses about the vast power differentials that existed between the two. Lewinsky said she had limited understanding of the consequences at the time and regrets the affair daily. The dictionary definition of consent? To give permission for something to happen, she wrote. And yet, what did the something mean in, the, in this instance, given the power dynamics, his position, and my age? He was my boss. He was the most powerful man on the planet. He was 27 years my senior, with enough life experience to know better, she said. This is true, but she did not just consent, she directly initiated sexual contact and it was contact and it was Clinton who consented and the vast power differential was probably a key part of his attraction to her. As for her claim that since he was an older experienced man he should have known better and rejected her advances, is there not something hypocritical in the self described role of an inexperienced victim? Do we not find ourselves at the exact, almost symmetrical opposite of the Muslim fundamentalist view, according to which a man who raped a woman was secretly seduced, read, provoked, by her doing it? Such a reading of male rape as a result of woman's provocation, pro, yeah, pro, pro, provocation, is often reported by the media. For instance, in the fall of two thousand six, Sheikh Taj Din Al. Hilali, Australia's most senior Muslim clerk, caused a scandal when, after a group of Muslim men had been jailed for gang rape, he said, if you take uncovered meat and place it outside on the street and the cats come and eat it, whose fault is it, the cats or the uncovered meat? The uncovered meat is the problem. The explosively scandalous nature of his comparison between a woman who is not wa- veiled and raw, uncovered meat distracted attention from other, much more surprising premise underlying Al-Halali's argument. If women are held responsible for the sexual contact of men, does this simply not imply that men are totally helpless when faced with what they perceive as sexual provocation? They are simply unable to resist it, being totally enslaved to their sexual hunger, precisely like a cat's when it sees raw meat? In contrast to this presumption of a complete lack of male responsibility for their own sexual conduct, the emphasis on public female eroticism in the West relies on the premise that men are capable of sexual restraint, that they are not blind slaves of their sexual drives. That this total responsibility of the woman for the sexual act strangely mirrors the Lewinsky view that although initiative was fully on her side, yeah, initiative. Yeah, it was fully on her side. She re- her, The responsibility was fully on Clinton's. Ah, let's read that again. <clears throat> this total responsibility of the woman for the sexual act strangely mirrors the Lewinsky view that although initiative was fully on her side, the responsibility was fully on Clinton's. In the same way that in Muslim fundamentalist view, men are helpless victims of women's perfidious... Mm. Seduction, even if they commit a brutal rape. In the Lewinsky case, she was a victim, even if she proactively initiated the affair. The symmetry between the two cases is flawed, of course, since in both the men are in the actual position of social power and domination. However, playing the card of a helpless victim in such cases, Lewinsky, is self-humiliate, is a self-humiliating spectacle, which in no way helps women's emancipation. It merely confirms man as the master. What do you think about this? It's like, shut the front door. I thought it was really, really interesting. It had so many, I mean, it's complicated. It has many avenues. But we had, so we have, we're having this, like every, I guess, country in the West, we're having this discussion about consent. And uh, the other day I was following this thread on Facebook, Which was in a chat room where I don't feel comfortable, um, even not even liking anything, let alone commenting, because just people get so the argument gets so heated and so personal, and I just I don't have that much time to spend on Facebook to be you know replying to people who are like you are totally misunderstanding me I didn't mean that and I meant that and what do you mean and I just I can't be bothered, so I'll just quietly watch the conversation from the sidelines and uh, and see where it goes. So anyway there was this consent argument or uh, argument debate, whatever you want to call it, um, the other day. And there they were talking about alcohol uh, and they were talking about being drunk. And they were talking about how now we're teaching kids in sex ed, you know, like be sober. and But we're also saying to young men, or you have some parents saying to young men, if the girl is inebriated, like if she is very drunk that's an automatic no like she cannot consent to sex because she is drunk but I find that I find that so interesting because and that was the debate in that chat room um on the yeah they were saying you know when do you lose the ability to consent for yourself and is it on the other person to then um view your consent or the the so like how does this how does this dynamic work so you you can't consent like is it after two glasses or three glasses or and then is the responsibility of the other person who might also have consumed two or three glasses to kind of estimate if you are able and willing to consent or not and we're not talking somebody who's passed out unconscious you know that's not what we're saying here we're talking about conscious people you know, over the age of 18. So adults, by Icelandic standards at least, should be able to consul- consent. Well, Italy, Well, I might add here that the drinking age, age is 20, even though you're an adult at 18, the drinking age is 20. So let's, for argument's sake, say, you know, 35-year-old woman, 38-year-old partner, regardless of the sex. But there we go into another thing. I was going to say, regardless of um, sexual identity, regardless of gender, regardless of orientation. Um, is it a different power play if you, if, if you have two women or two men or a queer person or, you know, that becomes interesting as well. Are we only talking about this in like a cis-heteronormative arena, this whole consensual consent issue? Because... It's kind of been flying under the radar when it comes to, I don't know. I guess, I guess I haven't heard so much in the queer culture about that. At least not here in Iceland about consent. Of course they talk about it and they talk about slut shaming, but it's more, it feels feels more heterosexual, cisgender, heteronormative, like those um, unhelpful stereotypes. It, at least it feels so to me. I might I'm probably not correct, but it feels so. It's my experience of it. Um so they were discussing this and it was so freaking interesting. It was like um the, the 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 people who commented the most, they were like, I am my own person, I am an adult, I make my own decisions and I get to decide if I am if I can consent or not. That's like that's my decision and I do not want my sexual partner to refuse sex with me because they decided that I can't consent or also, who am I to decide if you can't consent for yourself being an adult? This is where it gets so freaking complicated. Like you were saying with legislation, it gets so, so complicated. And what we're seeing also with, um, with uh, the issue of consent, we're also talking about... Um, uh, I read this one article, I oh, need to find it, when they were saying uh, the difference between consent and uh, bad sex. So I've been checking into this, and I've been looking at these various articles we are trying to define and give us a better understanding of um, how we can, I don't know, maneuver this thing called consent, and I found a bustled article. So they, they had like seven things that they pointed out that um, define not between bad sex, and, but possibly between assault or rape and sex. So number one, if you ask your partner to switch positions and they refuse. Okay, and she gives... The, here, there is this um, story. Um, a while back, I asked a man I was having sex with if we could switch positions. We were in a position I normally liked, but on this day, it was just too painful. I told him the position we were in was causing me pain, but when, he asked we could, if we, when I asked if we could switch, he said no and kept her intact with me in that position until he came. Defeated, I allowed him to pin my arms behind my back. She had asked him again if they could change the position, and he said no. I cried because it hurt and it wasn't okay. And I wasn't okay with what was happening, but he kept until he finished afterwards. I knew that what had happened wasn't okay, but I didn't realize that I had technically experienced non-consensual sex until months later. So here's the thing: I mean, it's not like a one-time thing. It's not like a one-time consent. It's like a regularly checking in with one another if everything is okay. So, like for my sex ed, I I had I have these three questions that are: um, Are you okay? does this feel good and can I continue and I said I always say to the kids it's it's your responsibility to ask the questions but it's also your responsibility to answer the question and I have them chat these three questions with me and not even just chanting they're like screaming it at me and it's so much fun because I'm like you guys need to know this this needs to be a part of your sex life when you're learning about your body and the body of another person that's how we learn we ask Okay, so item number two, if you tell your partner they're hurting you but they ignore you and keep going, Mm -hmm. number three, if your partner forces you to deep throat them, yeah that's, that's not nice, I mean why would that be nice? If your partner keeps asking for sex after you refuse, until you finally say yes, yeah, they call this coerced consent. And I actually have had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day who was um, talking about this being kind of like, um, I don't know if the word berated is the right word, but kind of like she was nagged into sex. So she was just like, she was so tired of him being like, so are you sure you don't wanna? I'd really wanna. please, can we? Like after spending two hours together at her apartment, she was like, "Okay, you know what? Fuck it. Sure, let's just you just fuck me. Get it over with." And he's like, because she was telling him that she wanted a relationship. She wanted more than um, she wanted more than just like a fuck buddy. And he was like, "Oh, then why did you fuck me if you just didn't? If you know, I don't want a relationship. But why did you fuck me if you don't just want a fuck buddy?" And she's like, "Are you kidding me right now?" So this is the reality of people, I mean this is what people are navigating and trying to figure out. So item number five, if your partner continues having sex with you after you've changed your mind about having sex, yeah that's what I tell kids as well. well. So consent is something that you give but it can also be taken away, that's why you always have to check in with the other person, and the other person should check in with you mm -hmm, because you can always withdraw consent at any point of the sexual activity. And number six, if someone tries to have sex with you when you're incapable of giving consent, and that's kind of what we were talking about here. So I guess I mean, if you're unconscious or you know you can't hold conversation, you can't really give answers. I guess you know, but it's obviously you can't say yes. But I mean, you can. It's, it's it's blurry, but of course you can do. You can have a drink or whatever you're doing and still be able to consent. But. When you're unconscious, yeah, then you can't consent. That's pretty obvious. Okay, last but at least, if your partner tries to engage in a specific sexual act that you've asked them not to. Okay, so here they take an example of anal play. Um, they also say whether it's anal play player, painful position, being dominated when you're not feeling it, or literally anything else, you have a, every right to refuse to do anything that you don't 100% want to do. And if you've told your partner you don't want to do something, even if it's something you normally enjoy doing in bed, and then they do it anyway, that can be rape. So it's, I mean, when you read <clears throat> when you read it and read all these examples, it doesn't feel like it's something like between the lines. It feels actually quite... Straightforward, don't don't you think? It feels like, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally get that. But it seems that a lot of guys are um, having issues with it because they've just never been told. And then we have um, this—they haven't been taught. Women haven't been taught, and we have this whole culture of, you know, like teenage movies where they just—they're just. Weird, if nothing else but where they're they're kind of enforcing this cat and mouse play and being hard to get and the thrill of the chase and and then you have the whole abstinence movement movement happening which is just scary as fuck like that would terrify me if we had that if if that was being taught here abstinence only sex oh my god it's so so scary to me seriously. But there are a lot of um, articles about this. So it's like, I, I Google difference between consent and bad sex. And there are all these different articles. Some are good, some um, are bad, uh, or not bad, but just like, maybe, you know, not helpful. But it, I, I, you know, I always go back to the beginning. And when we get, deliver proper sex ed, and we give people the um, skills to navigate their own life, that's when we see a change, and that's, all, when, that's what really needs to happen here. We need to give people skills, and we need to open up the conversation. It's 2018, we need to do it now, not later. So I think we'll leave consent, um, we'll put a, put a dot behind it just for the moment, because I, I have a feeling that we're going to talk about this again. Oh, and also, I started a new podcast called From One Sexologist to Another, where I speak to fellow sexologists from all over the world about um, just sexology in their country and their work and life, and it's on SoundCloud, and it's probably on the podcast app on iTunes, so feel free to check it out